Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. I do say, um, along with them, Happy Mother's Day, I say to my wife, my mother, my aunt, to Sister Boyd, to the church, since um, I would say 1982 has literally been a spiritual mother to me, and I appreciate that, so happy Mother's Day, and we really mean that, and um, I just have something that, um, and I would just like to clear this up to start with, this is none of mine, <laughs> I, I didn't have nothing to do with that, so... Uh, in case anybody was wondering, I'll just uh, set the record straight to start with, but uh, I'm just joking. But I'm serious in this, so that is none of mine, though. <laughs> um, I just want to speak, and my title is just Go Out, and um, hopefully before I'm done, that will, that will make sense. Uh, and I surely need to hurry, so uh, I'm just going to begin. Hallelujah. So... Uh, I heard a statement, a man said a statement, I don't know, here, um, I don't know, five or six weeks ago, and this was his statement, um, basically was this, America is flooded with information, but what, we're, but what we are is thirsty for knowledge, and I said, boy, and I just, I was on my lunch break, so I just got me a pen and I wrote it down, I said, boy, that truly defines us, I mean, we have so much that is available unto us when you can just sit down and at your fingertips you have so much information. But what I want to be, I want to be thirsty for knowledge. I want to come to the house of God and I want the Lord, you know, to feed me. I just don't want all the information. It's just too much. I say there's too much. There's just literally too much information that's available. But um, And that's just me. But um, so... One of the things that the Lord did tell us, he said, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And the way that I've always tried to look at that is, is if, if we take someone that just has a whole lot of what I would call head knowledge and they can't apply it to their hands, what good does it do them? You know, if you can be the most skilled craftsman, but if you can't, if you, all you can do is tell me how to do it, but you can't show me how to do it, then I'm still lost. I don't know how to do it. So the way I would look at it, God said, I will give you pastors that will feed you. And always remember, the Bible uses natural terms to make a spiritual point. Will feed you. So this is going to be an ongoing situation. He said, we'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. So I just don't want to come in and always be tell, 
be told, uh, excuse me, that it's just beautiful to be a Christian. Man, it's nice. You know, God is so good. He's blessed us. He's doing all these things. There's miracles, signs and wonders, and never told nothing else. But what it is, is God said, uh, I will give you pastors, not only will tell you the good side of it, but I will give you pastors that will tell you how to be a Christian, how to defeat the enemy. And he said, I will do this. And, and not only can you come in and learn this in one service, this is going to be something that you will come in and you will need to be readily fed. So that's what I want, and that's what I believe we have with Brother and Sister Boyd. You come in, and you're taught this. You come in, and you're fed this. And that's what we see happening. It's just happening on a continual basis. And we're taught how to apply this to our lives. And that's what I tell the people, the men that I speak to, and whoever I'm speaking to. You know, my point is this. I'm not just relating a story or just talking about an Old Testament situation just to say, you know, God really was victorious, you know, won the victory for them, and let's just close the door and go home. I'm looking for something in there that I can take home with me today, something that can help me today. I'm not just looking in God's Word just, to so, just so that I can read a story and go home and just say, well, I've went to church, I've done my part, and let's just go home. That's not what I want. I want the understanding of what is being preached that I can apply it to me. So when the enemy comes against me, I can take with what uh, was being preached to defeat the enemy. Because if I believe anything, we fight an enemy. And, and we fight the flesh and we fight the world. So I just don't want to hear about it. I want to hear how to defeat the enemy. And God said he would do that, which would feed us with knowledge and understanding because information's everywhere. I just don't want information. I want the understanding on how to do this. And I believe we have this. We literally have this. And the Bible tells us in Genesis, I've read it so many times, it's a scripture that I truly love. The Bible says that God came down, he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. You know, I was thinking about this here a while back. I just read this and I go on. And just here, I don't know, here, here recently, I was thinking, I, I will never know that in the sense that Adam was in. Because all I know is the sin side of this. But when he came down and communed with Adam, it was in the truest spiritual sense. You know, I just don't know that. I will not know that until God raptures us and changes us. But all I know is this side which is the sin side. But what I do know is that the Bible has said that if I will come in and give myself unto him, that he would make us more than conquerors, that we could come in and learn of him and, and daily be fed knowledge and wisdom and understanding that he would give us what we need to overcome the enemy. So we would do this. So in Adam, when God would come down, it was in his truest spiritual sense. He was walking with God truly. God came down and walked with him. So I want to turn, if you will, or just read on the screen. This is where um, the Bible talks about in Ephesians. This is Paul's writings. In Ephesians, the first chapter, if you, if you have a Bible, if you want to turn, Ephesians 1, 13. We talk about the deposit. 
Some, I mean, I just choose to, I just choose to use the word deposit. If you hear, if you ever hear me or others, most likely this is the reference, the scripture that is being referenced to. Ephesians 1.13, in whom you are also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Now, it's literally God's Spirit that seals us. He says he's going to take and give us his Spirit which we know is the Holy Ghost. And literally, that is just as what I'm referring to as the deposit. The Bible calls it in verse 14, which is the earnest of the purchased possession. And then, uh, other, other, which is the earnest uh, until the redemption of the purchased possession. He said, I'm just going to give you a small portion. But, as I've said, let the lion roar, let happen whatever going to happen, All I've got to do is take the deposit I have and come in here and be fed knowledge and wisdom. And God said he would uh, make me an overcomer, a conqueror. He said that he would never leave me and that all I've got to do is come into his house and be willing, willing to be fed and not just say, well, it's beans again or it's beef again or it's pork again. No, come in here. And God said, if I would thirst and hunger after righteousness. Come in them doors with an appetite. Not just saying, well, here we are again. No, come in with an, with an appetite of saying, I am hungry. I want to be fed. And therefore, that the enemy that's bothering me, that is trying to conquer me, I can defeat him because I can take just the deposit. Adam had the true spiritual sense. All I've got the deposit. But I am not defeated as long as I stay in, in, with the Lord because the spirit that he gives us is what he seals us. And we literally know to seal something, you keep, that, you keep the contaminants out. So he said he's going to, the same spirit that he gave us is what he's going to use to seal us. So just let the enemy try to bother us. If you stay where you need to be, the enemy can only do so much. And you, and, and when it gets where you just bother, that's what I said. Just find a place. How do we just say, God, I, I've, I've just, I've just done all I can do. I don't know what else to do. God said, you are sealed. I've sealed you with my spirit. How do we find a place to pray? And in, in doing that, in doing that, you're just submitting yourself unto the Lord. And when you do that, you can take the deposit that God give you and be literally made an overcomer. You can overcome whatever's in front of you. Whatever life has put in front of us, we can overcome it. That's just not me talking. That's the Bible. God said, I will give you. You can do this. You can do this. He's, tech, he's given us his spirit. So he's, he's, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this is um, I wanted to speak and just hit one point. I know it's been spoken of a lot, especially Brother Boyd has spoken of, uh, of Elijah. I just kept thinking, I'll just quit amening him. He'll quit speaking about it. But he never did. So, um, <laughs> literally, I have a point to make, so I hope you're not worried with it. But um, really, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm joking, but I, I'm dead serious. When the Lord told, and I'm not going to turn there, but when the Lord told Elijah, 
I'm jumping in the middle of the story, so I hope you know it. When the Lord told Elijah, he says, Go stand upon the mount. Go stand on the edge of the mountain because I'm fixing to pass by. So what I get out of that is, Elijah, you're fixing to have access to my spirit. I'm fixing to pass by. So he does this. And then what we can't put a handle on is just right in the middle of this. The Bible tells us that there's a strong wind, an earthquake, and a fire. Now, what I get out of this, these are natural occurrences. I just, I'm just going to refer to them as just life. Now, the, now, literally, God himself says, you go stand here. I am passing by. You have access to my spirit. Okay, right in the middle of revival, and when God is moving and Elijah can literally touch out and reach out and touch God, I'm telling you, life just reaches over and turns up the volume. And it's just, I'm not going to say the word, but you know what breaks loose. And, and don't hold that against me. But I'm telling you, life has a way of doing it. It just turned up the volume. And then what do we find the prophet doing? And just stay with me now. He takes all of this happen. All of these occurrences happen. It's literally just life. Life happens. It just done this. Now, here's my point. All of this happens. The next thing in the story, what do you hear? It's loud. It's boisterous. All this is going on. The Bible says there's what? A still, small voice. Okay, but here is one of my points. Where is Elijah? He's back in the cave. So this is my point. Life can drive us from where God wants us to be. Life has just got a way of doing it. God says, you go stand on the edge of the mountain. I'm going to give you access to my spirit. And you say, well, well, Lord, are you crazy? Look what's happening. Who wouldn't run from an earthquake or a fire or a strong wind? But Elijah takes and he hears this voice. And I say out of humility, the Bible says he takes his mantle and wraps it around his face and he goes back out. He knows where God is. He goes back out. And here's another point. God had never left. Who left? Elijah left. God's still there where he was. So he says, you go stand on the mount. All of this happens. God had never left. Life got turned upside down in that man's life. But God is still there. I'm telling you, he had never left. It shook Elijah so bad, the prophet that had just slain all the false prophets. But it turned his world upside down. He went for the safety of the cave. I think I can find refuge in this cave. But he heard that voice and he goes back out. And it's just asking him, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? The Lord told him what he wanted him to do. All of a sudden, it got turned up. And he tells him, it just tells him, 
He was literally, Mount Horeb where he was is literally the mount, we could call the Mount of Revelation. That's where God reveals so much of himself. But my point is this, when everything where we know, you can be where you know God wants you to be. And when life hits you square in the face with a situation, it can drive you to the point, literally, where God doesn't want you to be. And that's my point. But Elijah knew to go back to the edge of the mount where he had access to the Spirit. Life can do it, but he knew to go back. So he did. He went back. So my second part of this is sitting right over there one Wednesday night. I've told you of this. And I'm telling you, if you've never believed nothing else I've ever said, you believe me when I say this. For I was, it was on a Wednesday night, and we were singing. And I was thinking of Job. And the Lord impressed upon me and said it was the responsibility of Job not to let the storm override the voice. So I'm telling you, the storm is going to yell in our life. It's going to scream and it's going to, the volume is going to be turned up. So just like in the prophet, with everything that's going on, the volume got turned up. But he had enough God in him to know where to go back to. So just like Job, the Bible literally says that God answered him when? Out of the whirlwind. So God is speaking. So when chaos is going on and our lives is turned upside down, don't think just because life has turned up the volume that God has forgot where you're at. God still knows where we're at. And he still is going to speak to us and touch us and minister to us. So just as, just as he has and just as he will, he's not going to leave us or forsake us. All we have to do, we have to guard not to let life override the voice because I promise you it will try it will try in the book of Psalms I'm going to I want to read there in Psalms if you want to turn with me I'm switch, uh, turning over to the um, Psalm 8 this is the psalmist I just look at this in my mind he's just garden sheep He's just sitting out. I look at it. He's just sitting out on a rock somewhere looking back, thinking about the goodness of the Lord. And he takes, and in verse, verse 3, and I will, um, before I read this, I will confess this to you. I don't know how many times that I have quoted a portion of this and quoted it wrong. But in verse 3 of, of, of Psalm 8, uh, verse 3, when it says, When I consider thy heavens, I don't know how many times I've quoted that. And I've, always, I've said it like this, when I consider the heavens. And in studying this, I thought, oh, no, I have been, I have been saying that wrong. But he said, when I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. And then he says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? 
And this, when he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man? I know Jesus adopted that, saying the son of man, and I'm not referring to that at all. But one way that I've just always, just me personally, that I've always looked at this, the way um, that I've always thought about it, where he says, what is man and the son of man? This would be the way that, if I could change it, this would be the way that I would read it. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the continuation of man? Because God is always concerned about us. And where I I like that from, because the Bible, what we love is the New Testament in in the plan of salvation. Because he says, and the promise is unto you and to your children. And then it goes on. So when it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man. So God God is always concerned about us and our fellow man and the continuation of man. So he says, what is man when I consider the heavens? Now, this fascinates me. If you're not a numbers man, just bear with me. It won't last long. With the naked eye, you can see about 5,000 stars. If you had a four-inch telescope, you can see about 2 million stars. If you had a 200-inch mirror of an observatory, you could see more than a billion stars. Now, this is where I don't want to lose you. If, we would ha- if we're in the country, if you just had a feel, and you was going to try to just plot out, this is easy for me because I laid out houses, but if you never had, you might have a little trouble with this. But if you was going to do a scale of the, um, our galaxy, and the earth was a sign of a, the size of a mustard seed, which is very, very tiny, very tiny, the moon would be one quarter, one fourth of the size of the mustard seed. And if you was doing, if you was placing this, you would place it, put the mustard seed, you would place it um, one inch away. The sun would be 40 foot away. And then planets would be from 15 foot to one third of a mile away. Now, here's my point. To reach the next nearest star, you would have to travel the length of America to do it. So here's the psalmist just saying, when I consider thy heavens. And he's just looking up and he's just saying, you know what? For all I can see and all I can't see, what is man? Who am I in comparison to everything that I look at. You know, you know, I, I just picture this at nighttime and he's just looking up and he's just looking at the stars and he just says, where do I fit in? Or even do I fit in all of this? What is man? What is man? What is man? Okay. One of my most favorite verses in the Bible is this. And this is what we can compare that to. What I just said, I believe that is literally looking, and I'll say it like this, through the eyes of man. And I believe, I can't speak for the Lord, but I will just say it like this. I believe that God would say, that's looking through human eyes, 
Now look through my eyes. See how I would view it. Matthew 16, 26 says it like this. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So here's David. He's saying, look at everything that there is. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou would visiteth him. And the Lord is saying, you're looking at this wrong. Do you think I created all of this just to be creating it? No, no. God said if you could gain it all, if you could gain it all, and if you lost that little bit of spirit, the deposit I was talking about, that I gave you, you would be the loser. You would lose. So if you look at it like, wow, I look at the stars, I look at everything that life has to offer, the planets, the galaxies, the universes, and I think, man, God is good. He's gave us all of this. But who am I? God said, no, you're looking at it wrong. Wrong. Gain it all. It means nothing. You are more valuable than all that your eyes can see. Because if you could gain it all, you, you are the loser. If you lost your own soul, if you didn't, if you, the, the little bit, God said that he breathed in the, the nostrils uh, into Adam, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God said, when I impart into you the Holy Ghost and give you the deposit that you have, that seal that I seal you with, there is nothing any more valuable than you will ever get on planet Earth. Nothing. So quit looking at the stars. Quit looking around you. Quit looking at possessions. Nothing, nothing will you ever gain or possess is of any more value of what you already possess. And that is the deposit of what we have because he says nothing, nothing. Your soul is worth more, worth way more, more, more. And when you value what has been made, when you value the heavens, material goods, or whatever, any more of what you value, then it's out of balance. It's out of balance. Because I think we should value what God values. And he values life, human life. Because all of this was made for humanity. For humanity. It was literally made for humanity. I want to go back. I'm going to jump over now to um, Ecclesiastes. I want to hit that just a little bit. I read the first verse last time. Ecclesiastes. Um, I'll read one. Ecclesiastes 11. Eleven one, he said, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Verse 4, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. And I'll read verse 6. In the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall alike good. 
I know that's a lot of twisted words there, but really there's a point there. Now, verse 1, he said, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. That is a promise. That is a promise. He said, get up, cast your bread, do this, share this. No matter what it looks like, God will prove what you're doing is not in vain. He said, share this, cast it, for thou shalt find it after many days. Because I guess when the, literally, the analogy that this was taken after, when they was casting their grain upon the water, and when the waters was turning and twisting, and the banks was overflowing, I guess you could just stand on the bank and just say, are we ever going to see our, our harvest from this? It's just going everywhere. Are we ever going to see anything come from this? And at times we may feel this way. Well, I just spoke to this one. I spent two hours with this one. That's not the point. He said to cast and to keep the faith. Because if you do this, it is a promise of his word. You will find it after many days. That is a promise. Verse 4 said, he that observeth the wind. Now, I would say it like this. And just, he that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. I wrote down this. This is a thought that I had yesterday. The circumstances of my life should never be the gauge of me sharing this gospel. And I'll just let you see enough of me. And sometimes, if you're a moody person, it can. I'm just being honest. I'm telling you. Life can affect us in all different ways. But when it comes to the truth of this word, believing this word, sharing this word, we get up, we go to work. Finish this with me. Whether we feel like it or not. So when it comes to God's holy word and sharing this gospel, the circumstances of my life ain't got nothing to do with it. Share this word. Cast this bread. Because God said it would not return void. Do this regardless of what's going on. Good or bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. Whatever's going on, share this word. I have a promise that it will not be in, will not be in vain. No matter what mood I may be on the bottom, I may feel like I can't do nothing. I may be thinking like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, like Paul said, I'm just going through the motions, beating the air. But do it. Cast the bread. God said he would take care of the rest. And then verse 6. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Now, in the morning sow thy seed. This is speaking of the young and the older. So it's been said, sow your seed, and whatever you do, when you get some age on you, do not withhold your hand. Do not say, I mean, I'm 56. I, I've got a little bit of credit coming. Don't say, well, we've tried that before. We ain't doing that again. Or it's, it's always, always should be like this, I think. The wisdom of the elderly should guide the youth. 
or should help God. Not control or contain. You should always have the zeal of the youth. You should always have that. But you should put the wisdom, hopefully, the wisdom of the elderly to help guide. But you need, hear me, you need the zeal of the youth. So he said, in the evening, don't withhold your hand. Because if you do, you have youth running wild. He says, you need the wisdom of the youth. And I mean, or the elderly to help guide the youth. Because he said, if you do this, you can't tell. But because God can take both of them and turn them out good. For he says, don't do this. He says, sow your seed. And then in the time of life, because when you come, I mean, don't beat yourself up because you think just because you've got some age that you can't run track anymore. Spiritually, I'm talking about because you can't do this or you can't do this. And they think, well, all I can do is pray. Realize what you're saying. Realize if you can go to battle and battle the gates of hell, look what you're doing. Look what you're accomplishing. You're not just, well, I'm just praying. You're guarding. You're guarding his mind. You're guarding this church. I mean, look at what you're doing. You're not just praying. You're being a standard, standing up for this church. You're doing so much. So it's just saying, withhold not your hand. Don't just say, well, I've got some age on and I've, you know, I've done my part. That's not the case. It is said we need everyone. We need everybody to join in. And, and we're not trying to beat nobody over the head. We're not just saying, well, you know, I'm just, I, I can't do like I used to. Nobody's expecting you to. But we're saying everyone joins in. And the Bible says, do not, do not withhold your hand. Because God says, who can tell in verse 6? Who can tell? Because God's going to take, when you do this, God's going to take, and both of them's going to turn out good. Because God's going to bless it. I'm telling you, when it comes to his church, his word, God is going to anoint it. He's going to do it. He is going to do it. Now, I'm on, in verse, um, turn with me. I'm going to speak one more thing, and, and then I'm going to quit. In Luke, go with me to Luke uh, 14. I want to speak, this is concerning uh, the Great Supper. It's in Luke 14, and I will read, uh, let's start at verse uh, 16. The Bible says, And he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time, to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. 
So the servant came and showed his Lord these things, and the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. In verse 23, and the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, all things are now ready. This is a parable, but few things in the parable, many Many were invited to come. No one, there was three that was invited. No one said, I won't come. They just made excuses. But they just said, basically, I have issues that's pressing me, so I can't come. I just can't come. The first one says, I have bought a piece of ground and I just wrote down, this world's not our home, for it's not. It's not our home. The Bible says it like this. This is just a portion of the verse. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And as the old saying goes, I can understand that because that's pretty plain. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, the world has a pull, and it pulls on all of us in different ways. So he says, I bought this piece of ground, and I need to go check it. I need to go see about it, so therefore have me excused. I need to go do this. God gave us his spirit. Where the world would pull on us, he'd give us the Holy Ghost to guard against that. To guard against the pull of the world. And as we would say, we're in the world, but we're not of this world system. We're in this world, but we're not of this world system. We're not of this world system. So that's what the first one said. The second one says it like this. I've bought five yoke of oxen. This is what I would call to is just the material side of life. He just says, you know, I've got this. And all I can say, I wrote down just welcome to America. If anybody knows about this, we do. We know about the material side of things. Whether in small, small portion or large portions, we know about the material side of things. So he takes and... Uh, and I'll leave that alone. But the only thing I wrote down that I would leave with you in is not that ministers are preaching against possessions, but I just want to say it like this. Does your possessions own you, or do you own your possessions? And that's just the way I'd leave that. Now, the third one says, I have married a wife. And I thought, on Mother's Day, why did I choose this? (laughs) 
But I got to thinking about it, and I just felt like that the Lord just zeroed me in on this one, really. I, I'm, I'm serious about this. For the man literally used this as an excuse. He says, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So this is what the Lord gave me. He used, I would say, the most intimate relationship known to man, and that is a husband and his wife, as an excuse to get out of coming. And what I think really made the Lord mad is because this relationship between a man and his wife is ordained by God, sanctioned by God, set up by God. And then I would look at it, God said, how dare you use something, listen to me, that I have ordained and try to use it as an excuse not to come? God said, no. And listen, do not compromise your beliefs. We are living in a world that just says there are no more absolutes. There's no more truths. The Bible was just written by men, therefore it's just not relevant. But I'm telling you, in the world in which we live, there is still truth, and we still hold it in our hand. The Bible is true because, listen, if God himself was ever going to allow an excuse, he would have allowed this because I'm telling you, there is nothing any more precious and intimate than this relationship between a man and his wife. But God would not even accept this. So when it comes to our holiness our standards, don't think we can substitute anything else and God allow it. He is not going to allow it. Because in this parable, what I base this on is his reaction. The Bible says that he was angry. And I believe he was angry at the man using something that he had ordained. How dare you use something that I've ordained? So we can't play with what God has ordained and he has put in scripture that we are to keep and to use. So he said this. He says, you can't do this. No. The Bible just simply says it like this. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the guy just made all kinds of excuses. No, I want this, I want that. And the Lord just says, no. They have Moses, they have the law and the prophets. Let them hear them. And then... That's when he said to the servant, go out. And that's where my title comes from. Go out and to the highway and the hedges. And then literally, I've wondered, and I, I just looked up highway and hedges. I'm just, what does that mean? What does that mean, go out into the highways and the hedges? So this, this is what I come up with, literally. The highways is that, I'm reading you the definition of what I found. Literally, the way which literally the ways through which ways go out. Now, hedges is that which separates, that which prevents two from coming together. 
And I thought Adam and Eve, they had the perfect sense. They was in true spiritual sense. And when they partook of the fruit and contaminated that perfect body with sin, God said, I can't leave you here. I have to drive you from this garden. And then they was literally drove out of the garden. And then God said, you go to the highways and the hedges, the two that has been prevented. And then the Gentiles, whom we are, that literally the Bible says that we was without hope, that we didn't have no hope. But God says in the scripture that, that, that I have made a way. I'm going to take it and I rent the veil from top to bottom that everyone will have access to my spirit. So he took and he just says that he says, go out and compel them. The compelling, I believe, is literally in convincing them that literally that they are loved. That the Father does. I believe it's like this where he said that my house may be filled Literally, you go tell them that my house is not full until they get there. You tell them that I want them in my house, that they are loved, that they are the ones that I'm looking for, that we have to convince them that literally that God loves them. For he said, because in the parable, the verse, uh, it's verse 21, when he tells them, he says that the maimed, the halt, the blind, in verse 22 says, they're already there, and yet there's room. There's still room. The halt, the blame, the lame, the lame, they're already there. So who's left? It's the ones that literally thought that God wouldn't accept them. Them's the ones, he said, go to the highways and the hedges. The compelling, the compelling is convincing them that God really does love them. We don't need a whip. If you got a whip, let somebody use it on you. God loves us, and he loves them. I believe that when he said compel them, it's the compelling is trying to convince them that there is a God that really does truly love them and that my house is not full until they get there. So I really believe that when he said go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them. Because there's still room in my house, and I want them in it. And that's what we want to see. We want to see. So we go out, and just like life, when it turns up the volume, still share it. Still cast that bread, because it's not coming back void. God said he wouldn't allow it. He wouldn't allow it. He wouldn't allow it, so he's going to do it. He is going to see it fulfilled. Hallelujah. Let's stand. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.